0: This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider, a news podcast brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact 89FM. My name is Andrew Graham and I'm joined today, of course, with Chuck Grigsby. Chuck, how you doing?
1: i'm doing well thank you
0: glad to hear it and we've also got eli's managing editor emily joan elliott joining us today emily how you doing
2: good thank you for having me on today andrew
0: glad to have you we're we're gonna have a bit of a a lighter sort of year in review podcast here today with three of us just going through some of the bigger stories and the things that have happened throughout the year Christmas time, holidays season. We just wanted to sort of give something lighter and honestly that wasn't going to require all that much work from ourselves on the front end. But before we get to any of that, um Emily did want to take a moment to uh reflect on the Eli staff. Is that a fair way of phrasing it?
2: Yes. So as coincidentally as I was thinking about this year in review podcast, I was also queuing up a story that'll run the week between Christmas and New Year's. And it's our reporter's favorite stories or most meaningful stories of the year. And as I was reading through just what everyone wrote, I was moved by the empathy and humility of our reporting staff um, before we got on and started recording, said it was probably about 354 days of news We're covering some, we publish almost every day, sometimes two stories a day. So we've put out hundreds of articles this year. And for everyone to just choose one, I think is a challenge. And the way people wrote that they were proud of their community or happy to be part of a moment, the empathy with which they dealt with their topics, the way they were just so happy that their reporting might have helped other people. I just wanted to plug the quality people we have reporting for Eli and how happy I am to be working with them this year and in 2022.
0: Ditto. I can't say I, I work with everybody kind of as broadly, as thoroughly as you do, but I know that every time, whether it's Al, Heather, Adon, Amalia, and the Cubs, or obviously you and Alice, it's it's always... It's always an enjoyable and we're all human i think and for better or for worse yes um, <laughs>
2: well said and,
0: but that's uh i'll take that any day of the week so speaking of 354 days of news a lot happened this year and first and foremost i think the obvious to the point and so regular that we almost forget to think about it sometimes is the covid 19 pandemic which we are days away from entering year three on Emily, you have sort of been our lead COVID reporter, less so in kind of the summer and fall when it wasn't as prevalent. I want to ask, I guess, what's been the biggest change from January to today or so in how we deal with the virus, how the pandemic has manifested in our lives? It's been a year, a lot's changed in a year. I guess, what What do you see or what have you sort of noticed as the biggest differences?
2: i think first and foremost a year ago we were roughly this time we were doing our first telethon and i remember we had dr jane turner on with us and she had received one dose of her vaccine because she's a physician
0: yes
2: so it was this mythical thing of we might get a vaccine and When I was choosing the most meaningful story to me, I did actually go through all of the stories I wrote this year. And one was called something like it's like hollering down the well. And it was people who were in that 65 plus demographic waiting to get vaccines and just the chaos of trying to find it, navigating things. I spoke to people for that article from the health department who were just overwhelmed by People wanting to get vaccines, communicating with them, getting the information out. And I remember thinking, reading that and helping write that article. And I was like, wow, I'm just never going to get a vaccine. I'm going to think it's December 2022 when I'm going to get mine. But now at this point, vaccines are widely available. We've gotten through that first push. Some of us on staff have been boosted as well. So I think that really has been the game changer. And in that late spring, early summer, the pandemic almost fell off our radar as something to write about regularly because our numbers were low. We covered things such as MSU instituting a vaccine mandate more recently as a Friday, uh, a booster mandate as well coming forth from MSU. And I think the Pandemic is bubbling up again as something to keep a closer eye on. We've got or we're in the midst of a possibly declining Delta wave in our area. But now we have Omicron um, in the United States. We've covered things such as return to school. The article Friday also discussed the Parks and Rec Commission asking the city to institute a vaccine mandate for its employees. The city of East Lansing does not have that. At this moment, so it's ebbed and flowed, and I think it might ebb and flow in 2022 as well.
0: I think you're you're probably right on that. I kind of want to pose the same question to you, Chuck. You, You come at it in a different way than Emily in that you weren't reporting on it as such, but... You know, I remember watching you running virtual Human Rights Commission meetings and virtual police oversight study committee meetings, and you you ran for council sort of amid a pandemic, albeit a lot of that was in the summer when it was less hectic and less sort of intense. But I'm just curious how your, your sort of uh, reality with COVID and how that sort of changed from January to now.
1: Yeah, it's been very um, challenging overall just to do and conduct a lot of business. And then at the same time, it's helped a lot of business get done. So it's been, you know, adversity, but at the same time, a great opportunity. I know with this summer, as you talked about the election, um, it being outside, the numbers being low, it really allowed me to be able to interact with the community members more so than previously earlier in the year when we had a lot of unknowns. And the reporting, honestly, from East Lansing Info and and giving us the up-to-date information about what's going over at MSU, what's happening here in our community, what's our go- local government doing, has been very, very informative and helpful to a lot of people. I believe in the community, and so it definitely helped us from the uh, community service aspect as far as me working on the commissions. Um, it was, you know, an involvement that we had to make to make uh, the business happen and doing it online and working through that challenge really allow a lot of people to step up and I think sometimes in some ways uh, do a better job in being able to attend a lot of the meetings, uh, take the content that we had available to us, use the technology to our advantage, and really get up to date with getting some business done in a different manner. So I think we all evolved somewhat in some degree.
0: Yeah, well, I think to to that point you made about kind of meeting attendance too, we, we noticed from various reporting, especially with city council, that public attendance for meetings was You got different people speaking and you got more people speaking generally because it was easier to access the meetings. So I think that was a kind of like you said, it was like, despite all of the bad things of the pandemic, there were some good improvements and innovations and benefits that we got from it. One of the big changes since the beginning of the pandemic to now, and this is another Emily subject, is schools, East Lansing Public Schools. Came back in person this fall after being, correct me if I'm wrong here, Emily, they were virtual through the end of the 2022 2020-2021 school year and then came back in person this fall, correct?
2: Uh, it's a bit more nuanced than that in the spring semester of the 2020-2021 school year, there was an option to go in person. So that's there cr- were hybrids. Right. So some of that, what Superintendent Dori Laiko has referred to as the safety lasagna of various mitigation methods being stacked upon each other and layered like a lasagna. So I leave every school board meeting very hungry for some good Italian food. Well, it's dinner time, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of of that had been hashed out, but it's also a bit different too when you have maybe half or two thirds of the student body versus everyone. There was an option, I think, to enroll in a virtual academy that was being run through Lansing Public Schools, and I don't think there was significant uptake on that, but I could be wrong. There are concerns about students wearing their masks properly. There was an outbreak at Glen Glencairn and other school buildings in the district have had COVID cases, but the numbers exceeded 20 at Glen Glencairn, which was the most I had ever seen at one point in one building. I think the issue now is less about COVID safety or it's about COVID safety and student behavioral adjustment because you had students who were remote. Um, I think the adults have all felt the mental health impact of the pandemic and children and students are no different. So having to relearn in-person interaction. And I had interviewed Dory for a podcast a few, I mean, at this point, probably two months ago, not a few weeks ago. And Everything's a few weeks ago in my mind (laughs) and pandemic (laughs) land. That's the truth. She had pointed out that, You know, students understandably need to be masked in school, but it also, children and adolescents are learning to read facial expressions and emotion and feeling and masks obscure that and they're necessary. But even something like that is a new reality as students are coming back in person.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Chuck, I guess you have a, a child of your own who goes to school, I guess. What's that been like for, as a parent, I'm sure that is stressful, but also relieving in any number of ways.
1: Yeah, I can answer that question a couple different ways. As far as you know, the kids finally getting vaccinated, who were what 13 and under, to the mask uh, mandates that the schools had, to the overall learning challenges when it comes to doing all the things online and having the hybrid situation come into play, and you know it really. Uh, Personally affected us uh, in a way where my son does well with structures, does well with being in school, and and as you talked about some of the facial expressions and ways that he learns visually, you know it was really different. Now that he's back in school full time, uh, he has not complained about masks. He has not talked about students not wearing masks. Personally, I know when we first got going this beginning the school year, there was a couple of you know conversations we had about that, but it was very minimal. And I think you know with all the challenges that schools have on top of just being a school with the pandemic issues and mandates uh, when it comes to masking. I just think it's been a tremendous effort from a lot of different people to get it to work somewhat, where uh, a lot of kids are you know, not uh, getting uh, infected. Um, I did hear about the Karen thing through the reporting, and that was very surprising. It's a small community. It's a great school, great people in there. And so for them to deal with that uh, was unfortunate. So, you know, with me, I, you know, I heard a lot of people in the community talk about where they had maybe a kid that was in fifth grade, fourth grade, and they had a kid in high school and the differences in how that really affected their learning and their progress. And that's some of the stuff that I heard that really affected them.
0: Right. I, I think about the, keeping the masks on in school. Just if you ask any group of teenagers to do anything and expect 100% hit rate, You're kind of foolish, and I think anyone who's ever interacted with a teenager—being one myself—I'm imagining a lot of the trouble with the masking is not even people, you know, willfully. I'm not wearing one, but it's down under the nose, and hey, can you pull that up and took it off to get a drink of water and forgot to put it back on, and it's just like you said, Chuck. There's so much going on just to make it a school, and then you add all the layers of the COVID precautions, and it's very impressive that it's that it's gotten going and so far working pretty well emily i think you can probably be a better appraiser of that but it seems like fairly smooth so far
2: yeah chuck said something and he really hit the nail on the head about just so many people giving their all in this situation and that really is the truth
0: yeah i think that's true of unfortunately so many things have required so many people to give almost more than they can but that is the reality we face I just want to mention real quickly, too,
1: uh, when we're talking about people stepping up, I remember there was a time where we had this going on, and the school district, um, the community, they were stepping up, they were providing meals, they were having access for kids to come to eat and things like that. And I remember hearing and reading some of that in the reporting. I just, As a community, I just really was just thankful and happy about the people who did step up who did the things when no one's looking and it's just amazing how we were able to get through this together still dealing with it obviously but you know dealing with it when we did uh, have the science behind a lot of it the technology behind a lot of it and we had a lot of unknowns people were willing to step up and show out when it comes to really supporting each other definitely so
0: on to the the bigger unit of school in the area (laughs) speaking of school and covid and Town-gown relations have been, as they always are, a frequent topic, point of discussion. MSU and East Lansing, they're always going to work together, but they're always somehow not. It's very fascinating to those who observe. But I think the pandemic, what it did is it put into pretty clear terms or a clear picture of what a lot of the tensions and a lot of the, the issues that are truly city and university and sort of require them to work together, it kind of brought them to a head. And I think COVID really shined the light on that, especially in the beginning where you had a bunch of students virtual, but still living near or around campus or on it basically, and partying all day and outside during a public health crisis, where that's definitely a university problem because they're all here because they're from the university, but it's also a city problem because it's a bunch of ostensibly East Lansing residents on city property. So I'm I'm just curious to ask you guys of sort of the what you've observed in the Town Gown Ballet, I'll call it, throughout this year of COVID and some of the the issues or the the maybe Town Gown issues that you guys have seen come to the surface or or get highlighted. Chuck, I'll actually start with you first on this because I know the Human Rights Commission has touched on this before with certain things and the the Police Oversight Commission talking about MSUPD and Sort of that. So I'm just curious of your perspective on some of the the town gown issues that we saw play out this year.
1: Yeah, you know it's you know it's a very great challenge because you can't really, in my humble opinion, police uh, behavior in a lot of ways when it comes to the mandates and the masking and to some of the behavior and and how we want to be going forward as a city and some of the issues we dealt with from the human rights commission standpoint. Um, when it comes to our local law enforcement and some of the different things that went on at MSU, when it comes to some of the racial uh, tensions that came up with some of the behaviors that were happening over there, um, it really, I think, allowed a lot of people to kind of reform their policies, really look at what we have going on in our community and how we can be responsible and accountable for changing that. And I think this last two years, honestly, has been a great evolution of a lot of things getting done that's never been done here in the city of East Lansing and that's a testament to a lot of the people who stepped up as we talked about earlier um, when it comes to that. I think our relationship with MSU has improved um, unfortunately due to the pandemic. I think we have an opportunity to extend upon that and as far as our local government's concerned, collaborate, get on the same page or at least have a seat at the table to understand uh, what they're forecasting for their community that combines with our community so we're one community going forward.
0: I think that, that forecasting is a is a good word for it of just just to have an idea of what they're looking at and what their thinking's coming next emily similar question for you what's what's what have you kind of seen or observed or think has maybe played out before us this year with the town relations
2: I think Chuck and I maybe are nice compliments on this issue, because he's coming from his perspective chairing the HRC, and I'm coming from my public health and COVID reporting. And when the fall 2020 semester kicked off, there aren't words that I could say on air that describe how terrible it was. It was a mess. There were... I don't want to misquote how many cases, but it did reach a point where the health officer for our county, Linda Vale, quarantined specific fraternity and sorority houses. Did you oh, say
0: fall 2020 or 2020? Fall I 2020.
2: Might've... So over gotcha. a year I ago, it was... want to
0: make sure we're yes. I'm not mishearing that. Thank you.
2: Um, really bad uh, COVID situation because the students were virtual. They were here learning i think andrew you wrote an article about how you know pretty much every apartment was rented up i know there were a lot of complaints in the community at that to- time about loud parties every time of night or day because there was no strict schedule I think some of that has died down and there was an uptick in COVID numbers when the students came back, but it was pretty minimal. And I do think the vaccination and in-person classes has seemed to help with some of that day-to-day drudgery in the relationship. I think, though, there have still been concerns about student behaviors, such as couch burnings after the UM UM-MSU game. And maybe you're better equipped to speak about that, Andrew. (laughs) Yeah, and that's
0: one that's kind of, it's been addressed in that there have been statements and things said about it, but it's gone unaddressed insofar as I am not aware of anything that will occur differently going forward in response to that, which is really what needs to happen not just people saying they care about doing something different. They actually, I think there actually needs to be a, a laid-out plan for what will sort of address that. So that's an area where Jessie Gregg, when she was still mayor, had called upon MSU rather strongly um, in sort of her last act as mayor to get it together in regard to students effectively rioting post-game. And Ron Bacon sort of continued on the same tone, but we haven't really seen any action on it. And it's a tough one because MSU basically is in a position to say, well, they're, yeah, there are students, but at that point, they're just a citizen of East Lansing doing something illegal in East Lansing. So East Lansing, you can charge them all you want. That's not, I don't think, an answer that a lot of people want to accept. And I think the real problem there, too, was not strictly that the couches got burned or that there were these fires on properties. That was a problem, but that the totality of it basically created traffic gridlock. And it was, you know, if you if a house had caught on fire... I don't know that a fire truck could have gotten there on time. That's the like real problem at play here. And unfortunately that's an area where for all of the the gains that have been made and sort of the pandemic stuff and the VAX mandate and just MSU being a little more proactive on that. And really they're taking some ownership in that regard. In so far as the couch burnings and a lot of student behavior on campus, off campus, excuse me, it does seem like it's going to be a lot of the same of the city going, Hey, please step up on this and not, much may be happening. Emily, you also touched on, you mentioned a story I wrote, but I'm not going to talk circular here, but about the housing and that all the apartments had more or less with the off-campus, basically when learning was going to be virtual, students ate up off-campus housing so they could still live in the area. And I think that's a really, it's not kind of been addressed and I don't know all that's going on behind the scenes, but housing has been a major issue in the city. And it always kind of surprises me when it never comes up as an issue that also kind of relates to MSU. It does, but not directly enough, I don't think. Because I mean, MSU brings in 50,000 people into the area, roughly, and mm-hmm. they're going to need to live somewhere. And the city has this issue where there's not enough sort of mid-level accessible housing to you know young professionals or people starting a family. But there's this excess and this growing excess of all this student housing so i think that's maybe an issue for the future that we might see play out more directly but it's one that has played out sort of before our eyes and i don't think it's you can't just make msu have fewer students but the housing market is fundamentally driven in part here because of msu and it's to some extent causing problems for the city and i'm just curious to see where that goes
2: yeah i could speak as maybe the demographic you're concerned or That there doesn't seem to be housing for any slant, saying someone in their 30s beginning a professional career. And one of my first stories I did for Eli back in 2020 was touring the Hub apartment building, which is near Kedzie and Grand River. And they were like, oh, yeah, you know, we have a nice studio apartment that would look work for someone like you. And it, it wouldn't in terms of finances. And I'll just speak anecdotally Um, Not an official study. A lot of my friends, it's cheaper to buy a house in Lansing than to pay rent in East Lansing is what it comes down to. But I think this is a story we'll pay attention to in 2022. When the fall semester kicks off in August, the MSU sophomores will have to live on campus. um, But there might be some exceptions where they could live in fraternities and sororities and co-op housing. So we'll see how that winds up playing out.
0: Right. One way that the town-gown relationships get affected and one way that the, I think they might change and have changed throughout this year is the formation of East Lansing City Council and what they're going to do in response and proactively and so on and so forth regarding MSU. So we've got a new council, new, I say new in that it's a, a new since the election. It's four familiar faces, Ron Bacon, Dana Watson, Jesse Craig, and Lisa Babcock. George Brookover is the only newly elected member, and Ron Bacon is now mayor. So it's it's a new council, there's only one new person, but that will surely affect how this plays out. But before, I don't want to get into any of that now, because this is our year in review pod, and we have a former city council candidate on the podcast, so Chuck, I just wanted to ask you, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but from this sort of end-of-year standpoint, being in the race... What did you learn, and I guess how does it sort of shape how you think about this year?
1: Yeah, I have spoke on it, and I want to kind of hijack the question just really talk about uh, really the, the new candidates uh, in their newer roles and just how I think that with the gap in leadership that we've had with a lot of people stepping down um, and not finishing terms uh, here in the chaos that's come with that, I think finally right now we do have some stability. We do have some leadership on council. I think that the newer candidate um, now – council member uh, broke over as well, qualified, fits really good with the dynamic there. And I think that with Mayor Ron Bacon and Dana Watson, the little experience they have now can continue on that and really then get this essence of stronger experienced leadership that we've been missing for quite some time um, here. And so I, I really look at it that way right now. I think everyone, I think everyone who ran in the race was very, very qualified. I think they all love the city. They wanted to sacrifice and, and do certain things for the city. We all had similar visions to a certain degree. But I think the election really allowed people to kind of really interact and re- connect with each other as far as kind of where the is at based off all the uh, instability that we've had. So I thought the election came in a good time for us to be able to kind of really now have what we have as the outcome on council.
0: Kind of reset and have a clear picture of who's going to be at the controls for the foreseeable future rather than just that uncertainty. Exactly. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Emily, I'm curious, you haven't done a ton of council reporting, I don't know if you actually, have you done any council reporting since the new council's been seated? No, the
2: last council meeting I went to, the big hubbub was, well, this might be the last time we're here as this council. It depends on how long it takes for uh, the county to certify the election (laughs) results. So I have... (laughs) not but i do read all of our reporting so i am familiar
0: (laughs) gotcha so i I won't put you too much on the spot then but we're running out of time so i don't want to get too deep into anything else but we do know there's a lot of other things that happen this year and related to council there's going to be things they have to deal with like flooding and sewer infrastructure is a very obvious one Um, they're actually by the time you listen to this podcast they will have dealt with the arpa fund check valve program they will likely have voted on that and either approved it or not Um, but a couple other things just to mention them that happened this year before we get out of here there was a lot of reporting done by eli um, a lot by emily about the east lansing public library both the push for part-time workers to get a union contract we did a lot of reporting on the facilities improvement there's also a potential future story about them being incorporated or effectively becoming part of the Capital Area District yeah, Library. Yeah,
2: I would jump in and say at that point, there's public interest and question asking, but no official movement on gotcha. that.
0: That'll be, it. That'll be a story for 2022, assuredly. The other thing relating to city council through 2021 and into 2022 is that they hired a new city attorney, and then they decided to go and find another new city attorney, which they're in the process of doing right now and we should know mid-January who the new city attorney is. That's kind of all we got for now. Anything you guys have before we get out of here?
1: No, just real quickly that, you know, there have been some rumblings from some commissioners, volunteered for the city that uh, they're wondering if the, we should start going back to going virtual. So that may be something that be, is brought up here um, tomorrow in the council meeting. That's a good point. Emily?
2: no i just want to thank you both for having me on this is my first time on the podcast since chuck grigsby has joined our reporting team so it is it has been a pleasure thank you both
0: thank you alice's husband aaron joked that we should be graham and grigsby or grigsby and graham i think that sounds like personal injury attorneys myself. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> we may, we'll work on it for emily and for chuck i'm andrew graham and this has been another episode of the east lansing insider thank you for listening East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89 FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.